Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Good morning. Hallelujah. Well, I am not Pastor Noe. Just another thing I have to be thankful for. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, thank you, Lord. We're going to finish up the book of Colossians today. Thank you, Lord. I want you to put your finger up on your ear like this and say, I will. I will. Now say it again. I will, I will. Hear, hear what the Spirit of God, Spirit of God is, saying is saying to me today. 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 So, hallelujah. God, I'm glad you're here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I ran across this morning, A.W. Tozier, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh, I, I would pray that you are. I, one of the things that concerns me greatly about the modern day church, if I can call it that, the current day church perhaps is a better word, is that there seems to be a less emphasis on the importance of the Word of God being digested and ingested and application to our life. It just, it, it seems like, uh, 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 you know, I, I came from a line upon line and precept upon precept uh, background. Uh, normally in, in the old days when I was pastoring uh, on a full-time basis preaching uh, I get tickled at these new preachers that talk about how hard they work and they preach Sunday morning. <laughs> we used to have church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, give us a funeral or two during the week, throw in a couple of weddings. I mean, now that's the way it was in the old days. Hallelujah. But, but it's so important that, that somehow that... that we, let me tell you about the Word of God. You, you don't go to the Word of God when you need it. You go to the Word of God and put it in you when it's there when you do need it. See, that's the difference. It's, it's not, oh, I've got a problem. What does the Bible say? So you run and try to find out what the Bible says. What, what, what needs to happen is it needs to be in there. And then when something happens, it's there. 
It's just an automatic response. It just comes out. No, 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 no. The Word of God says this. And it's vitally important, and I believe even more so in this current society that we live in, in the day that we live in, that we build up a reservoir. You, you know, we hear a lot about uh, financial stability and, and, uh, and how much, you, you know, I would have never retired if I had had to have as much as they said I did to retire, because I've never had that much. You see, we, what am I, I'm talking about security, spiritual security that keeps you safe when difficult times come. Tommy uh, Birchfield used to say this, Tommy uh, Birchfield in, uh, at uh, country camp used to say, you put it inside of you when you don't need it, so it'll be there when you do need it. And so I want to encourage you this morning that, that you not take the Word of God lightly, but that you receive it and you, you make it become a part of you until it's your natural response when you have a circumstance arise in your life. Uh, you, you know, I'm talking about when, when I feel sick to where my first response is I run to the Word, not run to the doctor or the medicine cabinet. What does the Bible say about my current circumstance? But I run across this this morning. A.W. Tozier said, Christians should be the boldest people in the world. Not cocky or sure of themselves, but sure of him. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now, are you persuaded when you pick up your word and begin to read it? Are you persuaded? Are you convinced that what it says is applicable to your life? In other words, that's mine. That belongs to me. He's talking to me. That's my promise. See, and, 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 and Pastor Becky was, was talking this morning about the process of, of winning the war. Well, the process of spiritual maturity is also a daily activity. It's something you rehearse. It's something you do. It's something you, literally that you become in the midst of that. Pastor let me know on Friday night that he would not be here today and, and ask me if I would cover, and I'm always happy to, to do that. Uh, and I knew we'd be in Colossians because that's where we had been, and, and he's that kind of preacher. You know, he likes it done out that way in, in series, and, and, and it gives some continuity, and I love that in the sense of, of the continuity that it gives. Go ahead and down to, to the next slide, please. And kind of stay with me and, and kind of anticipate when I'm going to the next one. That kind of makes it a little, a little easier. Anyway, as I walk, walked over into my uh, office slash shop uh, slash domino hall slash utility room <laughs> slash storage room, 
And, and, and the first thing I did is I just sat down and I said, now, Lord, I, I need you to speak to me. And, and I've learned that if I shut up, then he talks. Uh, if you're not hearing God, you're probably talking too much. Uh, and according to normal, he spoke to me, but he didn't speak to me what I thought he'd speak to me. This is what he said. We have put our phones where our Bibles need to be and put our phone, Bibles where our phones need to be. Just saying. Now think about it. We have put our phones where our Bibles need to be and put our Bibles where our phones need to be. How long has it been since you saw someone looking at their Bible rather than their phone? Just saying. All right, today we're going to finish Colossians, the book of Colossians. We're going to start in chapter 3, verse 18, where Pastor stopped last time. Go ahead and please stay with me. There you go. Thank you, hon. We're going to, to finish this up. Now, I don't know if you've taken the time to read this uh, previously. I, I hope you have. Uh, because it contains a whole lot. Pastor Noe said the theme to the book of Colossians is Jesus is enough. In chapter 2, when I preached previously, I said Jesus only, Christ only. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. The theme of this book is Christ in you. Your ability to live victoriously. Did you hear what I said? The theme of the book, basically what the apostle is saying to the folks that he wrote this letter to, is because Christ dwells in you, you now have what it takes to live victoriously. Can I say that again? You need to grasp this. Christ in you enables you to live the victorious Christian life. He is not someone that you have to beg to help you. He is a very present help in time of trouble. He's not someone you have to trick into being in your presence because he never leaves you nor forsakes you. You don't have to beg him for the power to live victorious because he's given you all authority and he's given to you everything that pertains to life and godliness. As long as the devil can keep you living in doubt, 
that you're not good enough, you haven't read enough, you haven't studied enough, you haven't prayed enough, you haven't gone to church enough, you haven't served enough, you haven't given. As long as he can keep you on the defensive of trying to defend your Christian activity as being the scale by which you are good enough to come into his presence, he limits your victory. But when you are confident that Christ in me has justified me, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have what he said I have. I can do what he said I can do. I am who he said I am. See, you have got to be thoroughly convinced that it's Jesus only that has provided for you right standing with God. It's not how good you've been. It's not how much you've given. See, that's the world's philosophy. The world says, well, you've got to be good enough. God said, no, I made you good enough when you received Christ. The world says, you're not behaving properly God says, I have given you the power to behave properly and you are becoming something in the midst of that. We're going to talk today about where the rubber meets the road. Have you ever heard that phrase? Old timers probably have. Some of you young whippersnappers may not have. Basically, the term where the rubber meets the road means that it's a, it's a real life thing. It, it's no longer theory, it's no longer thought, it's no longer wish, it's no longer, it's where the real thing happens. The rubber meets the road. It's the reality, living out our faith in real time. And he does this in these closing verses in four areas that he gives us the victory. First of all, living out our faith in the home with the family. That's his first topic. That's his first. Now, what's he trying to say? He's trying to say to you, Christ in you is sufficient for you to have the victory in your family and in your home. Secondly, he's going to show you about living your faith on the job with the guys. He's going to say to you, Christ in you is sufficient for you to live victoriously on the job. And then thirdly, he's going to say to you, Christ in you enables you to live out your faith in real time inside of you, in your heart, in, by your actions and by your words. And then lastly, he tells us, that living out your faith in the church among believers. Say this with me. Because of Jesus, I am sufficient to do what the Bible said I can do. You see, you can be the kind of wife, you can be the kind of husband, you can be the kind of child, you can be the kind of, of father, mother that you need to be 
Not because you're so wonderful, but because he lives on the inner side of you who enables you to do that. Now that's his whole point in these verses. He's saying to us, because of who Christ is and what he's done in you as a believer, you are now able to live a life of victory in your home, on your job, in your heart, and in this church. You are not second to one. You, you, you are not substandard. You know, I thought it odd that pastor would leave me when he gets to the verse where it says, wives, submit yourself therefore to your husband. Now, I believe that it is the enemy that brought that about. Because that's above my pay scale. So, how do we do it? We're on slide nine. How do I do it in the home with my family? He begins and he says, let me read this out of three verse 18 in his head. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. In other words, as is pleasing to the Lord. Now that's not only to the wife, it's also to the husband when the husband is pleasing to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. So he simply says in slide 10, wives, now that word submit is basically a word that means keep the order. Not subservient, not, not second rate, not less than. He simply said in the home, wife, I want you to keep the order of authority. Each one of these has to do with authority. On the job, in the home, in your heart, in the church, there is an authority. And, and what Paul is saying, if you will observe this authority, if you will put it in order, it will work for your well-being. So he simply says, wives, your responsibility in the home is to recognize the God-given order of the home. Now, like it or lump it, the scripture clearly says the husband is the head of the, the wife and the head of the home. Now, your husband may not look like that. I remember I, I had a precious friend years ago who was married to an alcoholic. He was basically the butt of every drunk joke in the little town where we lived. His wife was faithful to the church where we attended, even though her husband was not. Their, their son told me he said every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, the routine at our home on the weekend, we would simply sit at home. 
there was a, a brother and a younger sister waiting either on a phone call to come pick him up because he was too drunk to drive or a call from the police that they had picked him up or a call from the emergency room that he had had an accident. He said every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night was that way. But that dear lady submitted herself to her husband. And as that war was fought and won, he ultimately came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Was saved, born again, not that he never had another problem, but her patience. Because you see, she recognized even though he wasn't behaving as he should or as he ought to, he was still the husband and the father of the children. Now, I'm not saying that, that, uh, that, that you need to stay in an abusive situation if your life's in danger. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a situation, if your husband is not all he needs to be spiritually, the best thing you can do to help him get saved is to come into line authority-wise. Many women married to good men that are not saved, that are not leading their household. You say, I can't do that. Yes, you can. The apostle says, Christ in you enables you to submit yourself to a less than favorable situation because God is able to use you to touch the life of that individual. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. I guess one of the hardest struggles that I've had as a husband is realizing that women are different than men. Now, I've known this from a f fairly early age physically, but they think different, they reason different, they react different, and sometimes you just like to thump them, you know? But, but understand that there's an order in this. Husband always responds to his wife in love. Wife always responds to her husband in order. Recognize his position in the midst of that. See, we got, we got this crazy idea in the society that we live. Of course, we're confused anyway. We've, we've got to the point where we don't even know boys and girls. I can't imagine growing up in that society. I, I've always been able to recognize that. Let me read this to you. I thought this was so good. I, I read this. Well, let's finish this up. Children, your choice is obey. You have no choice. Obey. Sam, obey. What should I do? Obey. Kevin, what should you do? Obey. Zit, obey. Megan has a birthday. Today is the day? 16 years old. Sweet 16. 
Hallelujah. Isn't that sweet? I vaguely remember those years. Hallelujah. She is a sweetheart. Pets, is your birthday today too? All right. Great men and women born on this day. Hallelujah. Thank you. So children, just obey. I mean, you don't have any choice. What's my choice? Obey. You know, I love that saying that talked about teenagers. Teenagers, get out of the house. Get a job. Make a living while you still know everything. No, 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 no. You see, God said the order in the home is this. There's a husband. He's to love his wife. There's a wife who's to submit to the husband. There's the children who's to obey their parents. So it's the right thing to do. Now, now understand this. The reason is it's for your good. You understand that? Husbands, if you love your wife, you're better because of it. If you'll not be embittered against her, you're better because of it. Wives, if you'll recognize your husband's position, you'll be better because of it. Children, if you'll obey your parents, you'll be blessed because of it. And then he says this about fathers. He said, fathers, kind of picks on the fathers. He, he said this, he said, fathers, do not exasperate your children so they will not lose heart. When I was a youth pastor, I did a survey and I asked my youth, I said, what is it that frustrates you the most about parents? And you know what? By and law, I mean over the top, high percentage, you know what it was? When they didn't, this is my words, practice what they preach. They were one way at church, they were another way at home. They talked one way when they were at church, they talked another way when they were home. That to me is what really separates. Children want something they can trust and believe. And when dad says it, it needs to be the way it's said. They, they need to be able to say, I don't understand it, I may not like it, but that's what dad said. That's what mom said, so I'm going to, to believe that. It's so important. Every one of these things that he says is for our betterment. Do you understand this? God does not limit us from anything that's good for us. Everything he says thou shalt not is things that would harm us and bring destruction in our life. If we can believe that, if we can believe that God is for me. See, that comes back again to being thoroughly convinced that God is for me, not against me. And if you don't believe that, if, if you're not at the place in your life where, where you're confident of this one thing, that God loves me and he's for me. He has my best at heart. That's where you need to focus until you come to the place where you're absolutely certain that God is not out to get you. God didn't make you sick. God doesn't want you to go to hell. God doesn't want you to get hurt. God doesn't want you to be injured. God doesn't want you to be sick. Until you come to the place where you know that God is for you. See, that's the thing that we need to know.
Why? Because it raises our level of confidence. I never expect God to make something bad in my life. When I do something and there's, you, you know, uh, the, the, other, the other day we just got our car back and my wife was at HEB buying some of those inexpensive groceries and, and, and somebody just backed out and knocked the whole back of our car off. Well, God trying to teach me something. No, 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 no. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and abundantly. Well, I wonder what God's trying to teach me now. No, 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 no. God is for us, not against us. Christ in me is the hope of glory. I'm going to tell you what, I was dead before Christ Jesus. I was no good. I was a reprobate. I was without hope. And Jesus, by his mercy and grace, came and gave himself to me that I might be washed in the blood, that I might be made pure before him. See, I had nothing. I brought nothing to the table. He brought everything to the table and then invited me to sit with him. He's for me, not against me. I mean, if God wants us to be sick, then why did he make healing available? Well, it's kind of like a crapshoot, Brother Jim. Sometimes you win and sometimes... No, it ain't. <laughs> he said, by his stripes we were healed. We need to understand that. Now let me read this thing about marriage. Marriage is such a treasure from the Lord. It is no wonder that the enemy delights in stealing and destroying the God-intended marriage and family units from the church. He tries at every turn to sow strife, division, and disagreement to keep these powerful relationships from rising up against him in a spiritual, in, in a spiritual, in spiritual battle. Why? Because not only is marriage a covenant blueprint of our relationship with Jesus, the word tells us the church is the bride of Christ, but a strong marriage has the power of covenant agreement. With that, notice this, slide 13. With that, we are unstoppable by an authority-less enemy he knows that a united marriage is dangerous to him. Kelly Copeland uh, uh, Pearson, Pearson said that uh, in light of their 45th wedding anniversary. See, your, your, your best tool for defense for your children is a strong marriage. It's a home that's in order. It's a father and a mother, a husband and a wife that understand. Why do you think that marriage is under an attack? Why do you think there's such a gender confusion in our world? Because, because it tries to discredit what God has said in his word. God said, I created a male and female. They're supposed to go and replenish the earth. Well, you know, there's some fine folks out there that are confused. I'm just here to say it's kind of hard for two men to replenish the earth. <laughs> you know, I'm not being cruel. or I'm just simply saying that anything other than what God said is contrary to what God said. So as believers, we can't compromise. 
We either believe or we don't. You know, shame on you if you think you can take John 3.16 and receive the benefit of salvation, but, but you don't have to observe uh, the book of Romans. I'm amazed, I'm, I'm, amazed. I'm, I'm amazed at people on Facebook confessing believers, wanting God to bless them, and they're talking about doing something that's contrary to the Scripture. You want a holy God to bless an unholy activity? Just because you said you belong to Him? No, 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 no. He's, he's going to talk about that in a minute. All right, secondly, we got to begin... We're on, we're on slide 14. Living out our faith in real time on the job with the guys. He talks to the employees and the employers. Employees, he said, do this. Obey your employer with sincerity of heart. Quit cussing your foreman. Quit bad-mouthing your company. You know, I worked at Phillips Petroleum years ago, back when it was Phillips Petroleum. It's been over 50 years ago. And there were some guys out there, we, you know how it is at break time. All the company philosophers gather around. <laughs> and, uh, and I'd listen to those old timers. Some of them been out there 30, 40 years, made more money working for Phillips than they could make anywhere else doing any other thing because they didn't know nothing else. And they'd just be cussing the company and talking about how sorry that company is. And, and I used to think, you ought to be speaking a blessing over your company. Yeah. You, 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 know, you, you know, your company is kind of like a husband. If you'll speak blessing over him, he'll get better. Employees, do your job with sincerity of heart. And if you don't like your job... Learn what you need to know so that God can move you to the next one. Secondly, he says, work heartily as unto the Lord, not unto man. Sarah, when you get over there and you waitress, are you still waitressing? Yeah, y'all go back and leave her a good tip. She Baytown Seafood, that would you? All right. When... When you got that guy sitting at that table that's a jerk, I mean a first-class jerk, and you know he's going to leave you 47 cents because that was the change from his $5 bill. <laughs> Think about this. I'm going to serve this guy unto the Lord. I'm going to do the best job I can even though this guy doesn't appreciate it because I'm a waitress unto the Lord. My, you see, you belong to him. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And he wants you and I to glorify him. So do what you do the best of your ability and say, Lord, you're going to make up the difference because I have Christ inside of me and he's able to lead me to the reward that is mine. And then he talks to the employers and he said, employers lead with justice, 
Because you got a boss too. You ever had a bad boss? You know, most of my bad bosses were because I had a bad attitude. And suddenly they got, you know, it's kind of like my wife. The better husband I am, the better wife she is. Say, oh me. You, you, you see, the, the thing is, 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 is that employee, I know there's some sorry, sorry employees. I understand that. Then you need to pray for them and say, God, deliver me out of my dilemma when I learn what I need to know about this situation. So you see, the fact is that he is, Christ in us empowers us to be what we ought to be in the home and what we ought to be on the job and what we ought to be as the boss. And then in chapter four, verse two, he says this, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. You ever prayed God get them kind of prayer? Vindicate me, my father. David was expert at that. Read the Psalms. David was always praying against his enemies. And then he would repent at the end of the chapter. And that's kind of the way we are. I know we have bad days, but I want you to understand this. If we will keep an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up for us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. Now, do y'all remember what the mystery of Christ was? Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's the mystery. See, that's, that's what the Jews couldn't understand about the Christians. Because the Christians had a relationship with Jesus. The Pharisees and, and the Jews had a relationship with the church. And so they, there was a difference there in the midst of that. So Paul said, pray for me also that I may clearly speak the word of God that the they might see Christ in me in the midst of that. Conduct yourselves, verse five says, with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. So he talks about these things in that relationship with ourselves. He's talked about the home, he's talked about the job, and now he's talking about you. He said, this is what you need to do. You need to devote yourself to prayer, verse uh, uh, slide 18. You need to keep alert with an attitude of thanksgiving. You need to pray for others as they speak the word. Do you understand how important it is that you pray for our pastors every single day? It is vital to their well-being. It is vital to your spiritual maturity. 
You should never criticize a service that you have not thoroughly prayed over. Well, the praise team didn't sing any good songs today. What did you pray for? Well, no, no, that's, that's their job. It's reason they make the big bucks. You know, how can, how can you criticize something that you have not even given an interest in? So he, Paul says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray with a spirit of thanksgiving. And specifically, I want you to pray that I'll have the ability to preach the gospel effectively in the midst of that. Behave yourself, seize every opportunity. Do you know you're a witness? What you say, what you do, how you act, how you deal with the waitress at Baytown Seafood. That matters. Your grumpy attitude stinks. And it's a poor witness. Well, I had a right. No, you don't have a right because you are dead in Christ. And you've been raised together with him and seated in heavenly places. You are no longer bound to your earthly limitations. You are now a supernatural person because the supernatural spirit of God dwells on the inside of you. I am not limited to my own ability and my own wisdom and my own knowledge. I have dwelling inside of me the very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and you do too. And you need to recognize that and you, you, you need to, listen, you need to utilize that. But if you don't know that, you're not going to utilize that. You're going to be a victim instead of a victor. You're going to see yourself as sick rather than well, broke rather than prosperous. You're going to see yourself troubled rather than, than peaceful. How you see Christ in you governs how you live your life. And that's what Paul's trying to say. He spent the first two chapters trying to tell you that Christ in you was the great mystery that enabled you to live the successful life. And now he's telling you, this is how the rubber meets the road. Wives, you treat your husbands this way. Husbands, you treat your wives this way. Children, you obey. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Employees, do what you're supposed to be doing and do it with a good attitude. Employers, treat your employees right. And then he says, be a praying people in the midst of that. Now, lastly, living out our faith in real time in the church among the believers. Do you know what? The devil don't want you here today. The devil is whispering in your ear. What are you doing here? I saw three people weed eating their yard. You could be home weed eating your yard this morning. <laughs> and the devil has got a scheme. Now listen to me clearly. He's got a scheme to separate you from your fellow believers. And you'll have a good excuse why you don't go to church and why you don't fellowship, and why you don't get in a life group, and why you don't, you'll always have a good excuse because the devil will give you one. Well, you know, Brother Jim, I just, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. It's just an excuse. 
You need to understand that you need what happens when you come together with believers. You need to understand. And the Bible says the spirit in you enables you. Flash, news flash. Some of you, I don't know as well as others. Some of you, we gravitate together. I mean, it's just, hey, you know, I mean, like I've known you all your life. You know, you see, and you just talk, and you just, I mean, and well, that's good, but, but not everybody in the church is that way. But somebody relates to them like you and I relate to one another. Freddie and I were joking about Pip this morning. Said we're not going to have much trouble today because Pip's gone. <laughs> See, we can say that because we love one another and we love Pip. Pip has been perhaps as good a friend, as good of armor bearer as I ever had in the church for over 20 years, the whole time I was here nearly. He's been a friend, he and Terry have been a friend to me. But I haven't had that relationship with everybody that's in the church. Why is that? Because God makes connections, but somebody, listen to me please, somebody needs you to be here. Somebody needs you to speak to them. Somebody needs you to get out of your comfort zone and, and, and make an effort to build a relationship with them. So somebody needs you today. You know, Sharon and I, our prayer every Sunday is, Lord, let us be an answer to somebody's prayer and let, let them be an answer to our prayer. See, there's, you need to come to church with purpose. You, you need to come to church. Not, well, I got to go to church today because I'm handing out the bulletins. Well, whoopee-doo. <laughs> but you understand the important thing is that you build a relationship with somebody that you give a bulletin to. That the Spirit says to you when you hand that bulletin and they take it and, and the Spirit of God says to you, ask them how the week was. And then listen. Who is that? Well, go over and, and smile and greet them. See, because somebody needs you to be flesh, hands and feet of Jesus. We need that. So he, he talks about this going to church. He said, you know, I saw something in this passage that I'd never saw before as I read this. And, and for, for sake of time, I'm, I'm not going to read all that because most of you can still read and write. Uh, not cursive, but most of you can read and write. <laughs> But I was amazed when I went to look at this passage of chapter seven, uh, chapter four, verse seven through 16, he mentions, listen to, this, listen to this, listen to this, 12 specific individuals and three specific churches. Church is about people and people are weird. They do dumb stuff. They, they, say, they say stuff without thinking. Don't come to church with an attitude that you're going to be offended. 
come to church with an attitude that you're going to be accepted and you're going to be encouraged and, and you're going to be edified and you're going to be strengthened. Every one of us can find some reason to be offended. Well, I spoke to them and they, they didn't say nothing to me. Well, good, maybe you're not the connection. And maybe they were more trouble than you need. Maybe the best people in your life are those that never are in your life. You see what I'm saying? There, there's connections in the body. It's about people connecting with people. And he talks about that. He, he said it's about people. It's about communication, verse 7, 8, and 9. It's about inf information, verse 7, 8, and 9. It's about encouragement, verse 8 and 9. It's about the kingdom of God. Interesting. Let me read verse 17. This is 417. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Now he's been talking, naming various people, talking about various groups, the church that meets in this house, et cetera, et cetera. He said, now there's this individual that you need to say this to. You know, a part of our responsibility in the church, Christ in us is going to enable us to speak into the lives of individuals. Now, I'm talking to the whole group this morning. But it's not unusual for the Lord to say to me, tell Robert this. Do this, say this to Michael. You say, yeah, but you're, no, 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 no. You misunderstand. Say the same spirit, say this with me, the same spirit, the same spirit. that dwells in the preacher dwells in me. His name is Holy Spirit. So, so you see, he can lead you to speak into somebody else's life in the same way that he leads somebody else to speak into your life. So what's the whole point? What's he trying to say to us? He closes with this. He said, I, Paul, this is verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Now, y'all remember he wrote this in prison. Grace be with you. You, you know what that is? That's Christ in us. Do you, you know when you leave here in a few moments, you're taking him with you. Yeah. Do you know the apostle Paul even had the audacity to say in his letter to the church at Corinth. He said, even if you were to enter into a relationship with a prostitute, you took Christ with you. That's pretty bold language. Do you understand that? When, when because of the spirit of God that dwells within you, Whatever it is that you involve yourself in, you're involving Christ in that activity. That ought to revolutionize your activities. It ought to change where you go and how you talk and who you're with. And it ought to change your life because Jesus is enough. See, all, all you need is a full assurance and a recognition and an acknowledging 
and a pursuit in your life that dwelling inside of me is the very Spirit of God. I'm His. He loves me. I'm here for a purpose. You know why hope deferred makes the heart sick? Because it simply says, I don't know what I'm here for. I don't know what my purpose is. See, the world's judged you on your looks. The world's judged you on your actions. The world's judged you on what you have or don't have. But God's judged you in light of his grace. And he said to you, I love you. I love you. I love you. And he said, I've proven that I love you because I've given to you my son, Jesus. And if you would but receive him, in other words, if you'll let the Holy Spirit in, then I'm going to come and dwell in you. And you'll lack no good thing. Now, you, you know, how can you... How can you turn down a deal like that? How, how can you say no to a God who said, I'll make you a better mother, I'll make you a better wife, I'll make you a better child, I'll make you a better father, I'll make you a better husband, I'll make you a better employee, I'll make you a better employer. How, how can you say no to a God who said, I want to touch every single part of your life? Well, he's going to keep me from having a good time. No, 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 no. He's going to enable you to have a good time. Well, he's going to keep me from having what? No, no, no. He's going to enable you to have. Well, I don't know what's going to No, no, no. You don't know what's going to happen anyway. You got plans for this afternoon? Nothing wrong with that. Are you sure they're going to happen? Well, I did last week. Let me ask you, do you know him? Not, not do you know about him, do, do, do you know him? Do you know him as your Savior? What do you mean, Jim? What do, what do, you, what do you mean? I'm, has there ever been a time in your life, now I'm, asking, I'm talking to you personally, has there ever been a time in your life when, when you sensed a drawing, you didn't understand it, but you knew definitely there was, there, there was a decision that needed to be made? Have you, have you ever sensed that? And I'm not talking about up here. I'm, I'm talking about in your spirit. You knew that you knew you needed to do something. Has there ever been a time when you sensed that calling and you responded and you said something like this, Lord Jesus, or Jesus, or God, I don't understand this, but, but I just feel that, that you're calling me. And you responded to that calling. 
And, and, and you said, Lord Jesus, Jesus, Father, uh, and you just felt this overwhelming need to confess your sins. And you just said, uh, I know I'm not worthy. I, I know I don't understand, but God, would you, would you be real to me? Would you, would you allow Jesus to come into my life? And I want him to. Has there ever been a time in your life when you did that? It, it wasn't a mental thing, and, and you understand mentally, I, I walked down an aisle and I said some words, but, but, but I'm talking about it, do you know him? Well, I go to church real I tithe. No, no, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about, have, do, do you know him? Does the Holy Spirit dwell inside of you? See, if, if the Holy Spirit doesn't live inside of you, the whole book of Colossians is, is like Chinese. You don't understand it. For those of us that know Jesus, hey, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ought to be better. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to ask you this morning. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you to do that. I'm going to ask you to do that. You know, I wore out my rededicator before I got saved. You know, in Baptist churches, we're always rededicating. You know, if you want to give your life to Jesus or you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, come forward. I wore out the carpet in the aisle going forward. Oh, God, I know I'm a sinner. Oh, God, I... But there came a time as a 28-year-old youth pastor When I realized I knew God here, but I didn't know Jesus here. I knew all the facts. I knew the verses of scripture. I went to church. I was a tither, but I never knew Jesus. And I remember walking down that aisle and taking Pastor Bobby Good by the hand said, Brother Bobby, I want to give my life to Jesus. I've never really done that. And can I say to you, my life changed. Oh, I didn't smoke dope before. I didn't sleep around before. I went to church before. I was a tither before. I was a youth pastor for heaven's sake. But I didn't know him. But when I came to the realization that what I needed was not more church, I needed Jesus. Changed my life. Now that's what I'm asking you. You know, I was afraid they were going to tar and feather me if I got saved as a youth pastor. 
you may be sitting there thinking, you know, I've never done that. I've never given my life genuinely to Jesus. And on the heels of that, you're thinking, well, what will people say? They'll say, thank God and hallelujah. That's what they'll say. The devil said, oh, no, they're going to, no, 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 the devil's a liar. So I'm going to ask you this morning to do the bold thing. If you're in this house, or as they say on television, if you're watching on television, I want you to do something. Not for me. Hey, I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm going to walk in victory till I die. I'm going to ask you if you'll give your life to Jesus. Your choice. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to get up right where you are and walk right down here to the front. It's up to you. Do you know him? Now you're sitting there thinking, well, I'll do it later. No, 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 no. Now is the appointed time. If the Spirit of God is dealing with you, now is when you need to do it, irregardless of what your station in life may be. Do you know him? All right. Now here it is, guys. You have said by your own omission of walking down here, you have said to me before God, I know him. And you have said, because I know him, the spirit of God lives within me. Now here's what I'm challenging you with. Go and live like it. Go and live like it. Go and make a difference. Isn't that fair? Sounds fair to me. I expected my wife to act like my wife when we got married. She expected me to act like her husband when we got married. You think that's unusual? Oh, no, I just married him so I'd give him some place to come home warm at night after he got through sleeping around. Hello? Oh, I just got, I just gave my life to Jesus so I could, wouldn't go to hell when I die. Hello? No, 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 no. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. What happened to the old things, Brother Rob? They passed away. And we became what? New person because of Christ in us. Hope of glory. Father, now you have watched as a whole room full of us have said, we are confident that we know you.
And so, by saying that by our actions or lack thereof, we commit ourselves to go forth from here and live like people who have inside of us that spirit, that spirit of Christ, that spirit that enables us, that spirit that entitles us, that spirit that empowers us to be better husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, employers and employees, to be better in the church and out of the church. And so, Father, we go forth like a mighty army in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.